So today I'm going to talk about one of the most important things you will ever hear, period. It's a, one of the most important truths of the gospel. It is the foundation of the gospel that Jesus has finished the work. So you know there's certain things theologically, certain questions we have about God that we work through in our lives. And some of those actually change as we study the Bible, as we hear from the revealed world, words of Scripture, as we hear from the words of Jesus. And what we're going to talk about today is something that I actually changed my viewpoint about probably about five or six years ago. I used to believe that you could, uh, you could lose your salvation. I used to think that if you were bad enough that you would lose your right standing with God and you would no longer be a child of God and you would be cast out and all those things. I believed that for many years of my life. But as I begin to dive into the scriptures, I, re I realize that is not what Jesus was saying at all. Because the gospel is not the gospel unless it's by God's free grace alone. Ephesians 2.8, one of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible says, it's by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourself, so no one can boast. If we got there by our good works, there'd be much boasting in heaven. This also is a doctrine that those who are living in fear, who are living in condemnation, and think that God is not pleased with you, or that God has left you because you have sinned, you need to hear this today, because that's the lie of the enemy, because you cannot be snatched out of the hand of God based on any bad thing you have done because it is by His grace. Of course, I'm not saying we shouldn't repent of our sin. Absolutely. We spoke about that last week. We need to repent of our sin. We need to be convicted of our sin. We need to change from our sin. But no one is going to live a sinless life. And if salvation was by works, then no one would get to heaven, even who we consider to be the holiest. So when Jesus cries out from the cross today, it is finished. And he screamed it. It means your salvation is finished. You are a child of God. It is finished. You are forgiven. It is forgotten. Your sins in the past, your sins present, your sins in the future. It is finished because of what Jesus has done. We are not able to make ourselves right with God. Many of us work thinking that God will be pleased of us if we only work hard enough. If we only love enough people, if we only give to the poor enough, many of us believe that. But it's not true. God is pleased with you. You are right with God because of what Jesus has done. When he looks at you, he sees the finished work of his son, Jesus. And yes, let's be good. Yes, let's give to the poor. Yes, let's change. Yes, let's do good unto the glory of the Father. Absolutely. But we do good because of what Jesus has done, not because of what we have done. See, many of us spend our life trying to work to be in right stand with God. So I went to Storyland a few weeks ago. And everyone know the pirate ride? If you've been to Storyland, some of you were there when you were a kid. Don't lie. And what happened on the pirate ride? They have that motor, and the motor's making the boat go. But the captain's job is to make it look like the kids are doing something, Right? They have the little rowers on the side. And they're like, we're not going to make it unless you row. And all the kids are like looking at each other like, man, we're making this boat go. And I'm thinking, man, this is ridiculous. They're not doing anything. But they're having a blast, man. And they're making that boat go. And these two little dudes were like, 
They were like, we're getting, we're not going to make it. We're going to crash. And they just started, like something was happening, man. That motor was making up on. They were like, something is going. I'm doing this. That's how we are with our salvation sometimes. We have good runs where we say, man, I'm doing this. I'm worthy of God. I'm rowing my boat. God loves me now. But then we have those bad seasons. Man, I can't row. It's not going. God's doing all the work in your life. God's finished all the work that you need finished for your salvation. And he will finish the work in you. I want you guys to be encouraged with that. What the enemy does, what our flesh does, is sometimes when you can take away hope from someone, you can take away their strength to worship, their strength to follow God. So when you feel like you're past the point where you can be pleasing to God, you'll give up. That's condemnation. But when you realize that the work is finished and that no matter what you do, he's not going to cast you aside. That actually makes you change more than your works could ever change. Let me tell you, I tried years on my own strength to be better. It wasn't until I said, man, I can't do this, broken down and started focusing on what Jesus did, not what I had to do, that I really started becoming more like Christ. I'm telling you guys. I know many people's hearts and hair want to be more like Christ. You will not be more like Christ just by trying. You will be more like Christ when you rest in the finished work of Jesus. Please hear that. Such an important truth. I was watching, um, my mom sent me this video on Facebook. Everyone know about Team Hoyt? They're actually from the Boston area. The father's name is Dick Hoyt and the son's name is Rich Hoyt. And his son actually, he got the umbilical cord around his neck when he was coming out. And he didn't get enough oxygen to his brain and he ended up being severely handicapped. Um, and so, they ended up realizing that he, even though he was handicapped, he was tremendously intelligent. And they got him a computer where he can speak through the computer, all these things. But one day, the son, Rich, asked his dad, he said, Dad, will you run a marathon with me? Right? And his dad had heart issues. He was 37 years old. He said, will you run a marathon with me? And his dad, he said, because the only time, I feel like I'm not handicapped when we're running. You know? You've got to be careful watching this. You might shed a tear when you watch this thing. He said, I don't feel like I'm handicapped when I'm running. And his dad said, yes. And he trained for the marathon. Then he said to his dad again, Dad, will you run another marathon with me? He said, yeah, I'll run another with you. Then he said, will you run the Ironman with me? Do you guys know what the Ironman is? That's the toughest triathlon in the world. I'm talking about miles of swimming, miles of biking, miles of running. His dad said, yes. So I'm watching this video, and they got Redeemer Lives on in the background, you know. They want to make sure you see it, and it's pulling on your heartstrings. And so you see the dad say yes, and he starts training. They're getting out early in the morning. When he had to be in school, he'd put like a brick or something in there that was the same weight of his son because he had to, they had to make this special seat to put his son in, and he'd carry him on a, a lifeboat. It was The whole thing's unbelievable. And you're watching this thing, and you're saying, wow, how much does father love the son? But you also realize how much the son was enjoying the journey. And he starts to slow down on this one race. And you're like, is this dude going to make it? Because in some of the race, he was in his 50s. He saw the finish line. He started taking off like, Whoa! the father just started running in this video. And what is so moving is you see the son, who can barely control his arm stuff, lift his hands in victory. And he's shaking. And his dad is just determined. And they finished that. And you can see in the son's eye the joy he has that his father finished the race for him. And you look at this dad and you say, that dad has got to be the best dad in the world. 
I might do the marathon, but come on, when it came to the water, can we just stay with marathons? I look at this dad and say, this dude's the best dad in the world. But as I began thinking through the gospel, I started seeing myself as that crippled son. I started saying, if I had to run that race, I couldn't finish. That son couldn't even walk five feet. He could not finish that. No matter how hard he tried, if he tried to crawl that race, he couldn't finish that. No matter how, how much he wanted to. I said, that's me. That's me with trying. I could never earn my salvation. I could never live a perfect life. I could never walk, run, finish the course if my father, if Jesus Christ did not finish it for me. When I saw that boy, I saw Jesus picking me up, picking all of us up, and finish the race that we could not finish. Because we are crippled by sin. Crippled. I know people with all the good intentions in the world that have not stopped sinning until the Holy Spirit comes in, the finished work comes in, they realize that truth, and they're transformed. The Father got so much glory because He finished the race, and the Son got to partake in that finished work. And I want us to see ourselves as that crippled boy Rich Holt today. That we got to participate in that joy we do every day in our life in the hope and what we're going to enjoy. We get to raise our crippled arms in joy here. But when it's all revealed, forget about it. It's going to be unbelievable. He finished the work. And we get to experience that joy. Let's turn to John 19. We're going to do verse 20. We're going to start in verse 23. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts. One part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven into one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, cast lots for it, to see who it shall be. This was to fill the scripture which said, says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. So we've been really examining the crucifixion, even Jesus getting ready for the crucifixion the past few weeks. And so since we're using the story of running the race, of finishing the course, of finishing the work, you look at the Iron Man and you say, man, that's a tough course physically, right? Amplify that times, I can't even, so much. The cross is far superior to any Iron Man Jesus has just got into a race and has finished the work from the time he entered this world and we're seeing him on the last lap. It's so much more extraordinary the work he is about to finish right here that no one else has ever done it. He lived a perfect life, but he was tempted like us. You guys got to understand what kind of feat this is. He was fully God and fully man. He went through all the pain, he went through all the temptation, and he went through far harder circumstances in our life than we will ever go through. No one here will ever get rejected as the Son of God. None of us will ever go through what Jesus went through and He lived a perfectly holy life. And what was amazing to me is if there's a time to sin, it's now, right? When people are wrongfully beating you, flogging you, you're ready to curse them, this is the time that you're going to sin because I can't take anybody anymore. And to top it off, they're going to start gambling for my clothes. 
Imagine after all the shameful things that happened, he's on that cross, he looks down, and they're gambling for his clothes. He's the eternal one. He has always existed. Now they're saying, let's gamble for the Son of God's clothes. This is so shameful, I can't even fathom it. We try to do it every week, but we get pieces of it. To feel the real weight of this is, is unbelievable. But even more amazing than this was the fact that these things were predicted a thousand years earlier. If you go to Psalm 22, 16, verse 18, it talks about King David prophesied that they would divide my gar garments and they will cast lots. If you go to Isaiah 7, 14, that was hundreds of years earlier, you see that Jesus would be born of a virgin. You go to the book of Micah, it would say that the government was on his shoulder. You go to Isaiah 53, which is probably the, the clearest prophecy about the Messiah. It would say, he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. You see, all these things called out to even in Psalm 22. 22.1, it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? A thousand years earlier. He's writing these things. And Jesus, through every action, through his suffering, is fulfilling the scripture. This should encourage your faith so much. Know why it encourages my faith? Because God is a planner. See, wrongly we think sometimes that to be godly is to be just spontaneous. I grew up in a culture where if it wasn't spontaneous, it wasn't considered godly or God-moving. God is a meticulous planner. He planned the death of Jesus before he even created the earth, before the foundation of the world. This is not just by chance. Jesus came down and said, oh man, i got to die on the cross. He didn't come down and think everyone was going to love him, accept him, and worship him. He came down to die on the cross. This shows the sovereign plan of God. It was designed before the world was even created. And there's so many deep theological things in there to work through. But the scriptures, even in Ephesians 1, tells us this was God's plan to bring all things together in Christ, that he would be worshipped as a name above all names. Every knee would bow, every tongue would confess. And we're going to talk a lot of scripture today, because I want you guys to see the whole Bible's about Jesus. The whole Old Testament was getting us ready for Jesus. And we need to know that. We need to see it. We need all the scriptures. So we're going to read some of that today. But God is a planner. This, this encouraging my soul because I get severe anxiety around people who don't plan. Maybe I need to grow, but I can't take it. My mom, I love with all my heart. I don't know if she could define the word planned. God bless, I love her. I'm going to honor my mother as I speak. So I say this all with laughter. But when my mom, we had to move, I would get such a severe anxiety that I'd say, I had the one year say, Mom, I'm going to plan the whole move. I said, I can't be at another move where I show up and things are still getting put in boxes. Or I show up and I'm the only mover. <laughs> or I show up and there's no coordination, there's no trucks, there's nothing. Uh, words can't even express. Or I show up and there's a movie on. It's like, come on, let's watch a movie. Mom, here to move. Let's do this. You know, I, I can't, I can't live like that. I need a plan. So one year I finally said, Mom, you're moving and I'm leading this. Crusade. I was writing paper, like, had it all designed. For the first time ever, it wasn't one o'clock in the morning, we were dropping off a U-Haul truck on Saturday night. We had people playing, because I had got together, got ready that week, got people to do it, and we had finished it. And I'm so God as a planner. When you plan, you're being godly. 
See, some people think God doesn't plan. This whole thing is planned meticulously. Very down to the detail. There is not one accident in your life. From pain to suffering to sickness to wholeness to being prospering to sadness. It is all part of the plan of God. And did I say meticulously right? Okay. I saw a few did he say that right. So I want rather right there. Second thing, God is in control. You ever hear about that person who always has a plan but it never comes to pass? It's usually that guy that always has the money scheme, right? I got a new plan. We're going to make millions. You stay with me, kid. I was watching, anyone see Parenthood? Now, I don't agree with all the philosophies in the movie, but there was a decent message in it at times. There was some stuff I totally just didn't agree with. But there was a son in there who always had a new plan and would come to his dad and say, I got a new plan, dad. I need money for this plan. The plan never came to pass. It was always the whole family like, here we go. Another plan. What's so beautiful of God is he's omnipotent. And he has the power to bring every plan to pass. There's not one word of prophecy that, that was declared or that was spoken or that is in scripture that will not be fulfilled because God is powerful and he brings it to pass. If he says you will have eternal life, if you put your faith in God, you will have eternal life. If he says your sins are forgiven, forgotten, and not to be remembered, they are forgiven, forgotten, and not to be remembered. Everything, if he says he's coming back again, you better bank your life on it and live like he is. Because that promise is going to be fulfilled. Because he's in control and everything comes to pass. He is a finisher. And that's what we're getting to today. God never changes. He's a finisher. When he came to die for the sins of the world, he finished the work that he started. And I want you guys to hear this. This is the resound in your soul today that it is finished. That we've been through this whole book and we only have two weeks left. God is finishing his work. He's putting a period on the sentence. He is restoring all things right here. Let's move on to, let me see where we are. I'm actually going to skip to verse 28 because that's a whole message unto itself when he says to Mary, that's your mother, that's your brother. And that's a whole family message that we'll possibly do another time. But it says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. I'm in verse 28 and 29. So they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. So this was a little confusing to me. Because he's about to die. Well, why are you asking for a drink? He refused the first drink of wine. Most likely because he didn't want his mind to be cloudy as he finished the work of our salvation and the work of him be giving the name above all names. So, so why does he do it? And we have a hint there, and that's why I've talked a lot about prophecy here. But it says, He knew all was finished to fulfill the scripture. That Jesus was conscious that he had to fulfill every line of scripture and his word and his work would be finished. In Psalm 69, 21, if you go there, you will see that even him being given a little bit of sour wine on the cross was part of prophecy. So he's even finishing that work right there. And even to explain a little more, I want to read this to you guys because this is some good stuff. It says, these are two points about this, him taking the drink. The drink was given on a stalk of a hyssop plant. Remember that these events occurred at the feast of the Passover. 
During the feast, hyssop was used to apply the blood of the Passover lamb to the woman wooden doorpost of the Jews. It is interesting, the end of this hyssop stalk pointed to the blood of the perfect lamb, which was applied to the wooden cross for the salvation of all mankind. In addition, the wine vinegar is a product of fermentation, which is made from grape juice and yeast. The word literally means that which is sour and is related to the Hebrew term for that which is leaven. Yeast or leaven is a biblical symbol of sin. When Jesus took this drink, it is thus symbolic of his, him taking the sins of the world into his body. So you even see little details right there that I'm trying to figure out why is he trying to get a drink right before he dies? And you see, even down to the hyssop plant, even down to everything, he's showing the world that he's the perfect lamb and he's taking on the sins of the world. So this is the gospel. I need you guys to hear this right now because it's simple, but it's so powerful. Jesus had to go to the cross for us to be redeemed. No man can be in right relationship. No man can go to heaven. No man can have eternal life if he is sinful in any way. Any way. Like we said last week, if you lied on your bill of sale, you could not be in right relationship with God. Right? The fact that God is holy and he cannot dwell with sin or be in relationship with sin and the fact that he is loving demands that his son came to the cross to reconcile all things to the Father. Therefore, Jesus had to take our sins on himself. Do you guys understand this? Please understand this. He had to take your sin, your filthy sin. You cannot even pray to God and have Him hear your prayers. He became the curse for us on that tree so our children could know the truth and be liberated. That's beautiful. You think dying for our sins, that brings you joy, that makes you want to worship, that makes you want to lay down your life for Jesus. But then you think how much we love our family and say, He died for my family too. Because we know they're sinners too. And they need salvation. He had to take the sins, our sins, on him. And this is what you need to hear. It's called, Martin Luther called this the great exchange. We exchange our filthy sins. They go on Jesus on the cross. And his perfect life, his finished work, is exchanged to us. It's called imputed righteousness. His righteousness is imputed to us. That means that every time you pray to God, every time you worship God, every time God acts in love towards you, He's acting in love towards you because of the finished work of Jesus. When He sees you, He sees that perfect life of Jesus. He sees a sinless life. That's why you can say, you're a holy child of God. That's why Apostle Paul called us saints. Because Christ has made us saints. Not because we did enough miracles, enough good works. You guys, I'm saying this is the gospel, the great exchange. This is why you don't have to live in condemnation because of the finished work of Jesus. See, what people try to do is say, and I said this a few weeks, say, well, it is, he did finish the work, but I have to be good enough to be accepted, right? And I said a few weeks ago, that's religion. Like Jesus did 75, 80% of it, and I got to just be good enough, then you get into heaven. No, it's all grace. It's 100% finished work. And this is why when the... <laughs> I heard the story. Some of you know Pastor Rick. They were having a town meeting in Saugus. And so what happened is all the pastors were getting up. And, you know, I don't mind a robe. I don't mind uh, even a hat. I don't mind, you know, if you, you're smoking stuff. That doesn't bother me. 
I mean smoking stuff this way. Not, not smoking from the pulpit. Smoking it with the, the incense and stuff. I don't mind any of that if the inward parts are right. You know what I mean? This is some of the most genuine, authentic men that wear robes, love Jesus, and preach the gospel. So I want to say that off the bat. I don't judge robes. You, you judge hearts, right? And God, we can let God do that. I judge too much of that myself. But all these guys getting up, and they were acting real religious. You know, it was the town meeting, and they were giving the arts and the dolls and the halbeast, you know, all that stuff. And it didn't feel right. So they go, all these guys, they're all robed up. They're saying all the right words. They sound very religious. They sound like the Pharisees. Pastor Rick gets up there. For you who don't know, Pastor Rick, he is a, a saved biker. So I got introduced to this culture where Pastor Rick be wearing a leather vest up there, just preaching to dudes. Get off the bike and preach a message, literally. Walk in through the door and just start preaching. He's so frustrated. He got frustrated with religious people, especially, I remember we'd be in our softball games, and we'd playing, and we'd have a few people that would smoke cigarettes on our team. And all the other, we'd play in all these churches, be like, this is the Christian league, how dare they smoke on the sidelines. That would get Pastor Rick so mad. He'd be like, they have him do the prayer, the public prayer. Lord, we thank you for the finished work. It's all about grace right here. It's not about our works. He just taught me something so different about the finished work that, you know what? I don't care if people smoke outside. I want them to hear the gospel of Jesus. I don't care if people maybe don't dress how people should dress in church. Pastor Rick taught me all those things. I'm just giving you a little of the background. This is who Pastor Rick is. So when he says all this outside stuff going on, he walks up to the pulpit. It's his time to preach the message. He looks at the whole congregation. And he goes, it is finished! And he walks off. That was the best message I ever heard in my life. It made such a point that you never forget it. Everyone's getting ready for the religious. You know, he's going to great communication skills, fight people out. He yells out three words and walks off the stage like an outcast, like a religious outcast. That's what Jesus was. And I just love that. And I'm telling you, man, I remember going to Greater Grace first and sitting down with Pastor Rick, and I was going to teach him that the work wasn't finished. I was going to convince him you could lose your salvation. I sat in the background and said, you can lose your salvation. And then my pride got real hurt because after time went by and I really got into what the gospel meant in the Bible, I said, Natalie, I think I'm starting to believe in the finished work. And there was shame on my part because I ferociously opposed, you know, the finished work of Jesus. But let's get into this last verse right here. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he says, it is finished. And he bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. So there's something so powerful there. When we die, our spirits, we have no control of that kind of stuff. But even when the Son of God, the omnipotent one, the omniscient one, the eternally existing one, when it's his time to take his last breath, it says he gave up his spirit. He's going on his own terms. The work is finished. And you'll find out by other Gospels, um, he yelled out, even better than Pastor Rick, he yelled out, it is finished. And I want you guys to hear that today. Because many churches, many pastors are teaching that it is not finished. And you cannot please God if it is not finished. You have to know that you are internally secure in the arms of your Father because of the finished work of Jesus to be more like 
Christ. And I know the condemnation that comes, believe me, before I fully grasp this thing, I can't even tell you how much condemnation I went through. I remember being in a living room once when I was younger and still living with my mom. And I really felt at times that I lost my salvation about five times a week. I really like, because I feel like, man, what a good day that was. I felt sinless. And the problem was I really wasn't looking at it right because my attitude probably wasn't right, all these things. But I go on a good run for a few days and feel like God is pleased with me, right? And then all, out comes such condemnation where I almost like fear hell. I say I haven't been good enough. And a lot of that is built into us. And no one's perfect. None of us are perfect parents. But I know from my relationship with my stepfather, I felt like I could never do enough to please him. Some of you might have fathers that you feel like you could never do enough to please them. Some of you might have great dads that are totally different. But sometimes we impose our human relationships on an eternal heavenly God. And I just felt like no matter what I did, my father was going to condemn me. Like I never did enough. And I brought that into my relationship with God. And God is nothing like us as earthly fathers. No matter how good we can love our children as earthly fathers, it does not compare to the perfect fatherhood of God. And you are truly pleasing in the eyes of God because of the finished work. I need you guys to hear that and let that soak in. Because it's going to transform your life and you'll be able to worship God rightly. We'll finish there. We'll finish there. I want us to come to worship, come singing to God, knowing that you are right with God today, knowing that you have favor in the eyes of God because of what Jesus has done for you. Amen. And let's pray. Father, I pray that we truly understand and we truly know that it is finished.